Welcome to Practical Access. I'm Lisa Deeker. And I'm Rebecca Hines. And Lisa, um, I know you're particularly excited about today's guest, someone that you've known a while. Mark Jacob is joining us. He has 40 years experience working with kids in the last 10. He's been working as a life coach. He's currently with Community Partnership. Um, but what do we want to know from Mark today, Lisa? So Mark, thanks about, first of all for joining us. We're so excited you're here. And I'm just going to start with a question everybody asks me when I say the bit, best thing that happened in my own son's life was a life coach, happened to be you. Uh, but everybody says, what's a life coach? So can you give us any why somebody might want a life coach? Well, basically life coaching is just really helping somebody develop a life plan. Because if we don't have a plan, we don't know where we're going. And that's an analogy I use a lot with kids. If I asked you to go to Denver, what's one of the first things? Well, I'm going to Google map it. Well, yeah, why? Because you need to know how to go there. Same thing in life. If you don't have a road. So it's starting to help them develop that um, roadmap in life. And sometimes it's figuring out what they don't want to do or what they do, you know. And look at scenarios, you know, making sure that they're in good matches, that the school that they're in is a good match or what they're doing, you know. And it's really looking at those components of their life and then figuring out, okay, this is the track that you want to go on and start setting up goals, so you've been life coaching for over a decade and you've had a lot of experience. I know you lived in a foster home with multiple children. You've just had a lot yeah. of life experience. What is the one thing that you find as a coach or in your work with kids with disabilities that you wish families really thought about um, to help them make that plan better, smoother transitions in life? What, what is kind of the theme that keeps popping up every time? Uh, I like the idea of a plan, but I bet there's other areas that you kind of see emerge. Well, I think a lot of it is communication. I, not telling your child what they're going, but really asking them if they're not, then start helping them because a lot of it is skill development. And that's what I talk to them all about, you know, and a lot of times, unfortunately, sometimes parents don't have those skills. But that's really the biggest thing is communication and skill development. Find out what it is that, you know, your child wants to be doing or the interest that, and then start helping them focus on that. You know, just be involved, be there, talk to them. You know, besides just, you know, the passing, you know, in and out, it's a busy world, you know, and now it's a very crazy world. <laughs> so trying to get people to um, sit down for a few minutes and really talk about why to make decisions or, you know, how do you select a college or do you even want to go to college? Like I tell families all the time, you got a few choices. You have college, you have trade school, you have technical school, you have the military. There's 330 some jobs in the military, only 30 put you in harm's way. Pick one of the other 300 if you would. Um, but aside from that, everybody's not college bound. So it's really, I think the biggest thing is just, you know, communication. And sometimes even when the communication is good, it still sometimes takes an outsider to come in and just help the process get along because Unfortunately, kids don't want to talk to the parents. I'll say the same exact thing a parent says. I mean, almost perfect, almost word for word. Oh my, it's like revolutionary stuff. And it's like, I think you've heard this before. <laughs> you know, it's just from somebody else. And we all get rebellious in our teenage years against our parents, you know. So it's getting them to understand your parents have a vested interest in you being successful and happy and moving out of the house. You know, Mark, I um, 
my background is in working with kids with emotional and behavioral disorders. And a lot of what you're saying feels like some of the kinds of communication that I would, I would have with my students. And I know that's a, that's a, a, a student group who a lot of programs take a real behavioral approach to, but I definitely took more of a Glasser choice theory style um, approach in working with those students. So as a, as a life coach and as somebody who has worked, I know, with a wide variety of kids, what, what could you tell um, teachers about how to talk to kids who have more um, behavioral issues or who bring a lot of emotions into, you know, every exchange? What kind of practical advice for teachers? I think first develop a relationship with the child, figure out what's going on, and then how can we create a scenario in the classroom where that child's needs can be met? Because if I'm acting out, there's a reason. You know, I'm either bored or, you know, I just can't, you know, it's just figuring it out. It's just, again, communication, taking the time with that individual child. And again, I know teachers are very busy, but if you invest the time in the beginning, the rest of the year goes much smoother. So it's about classroom management, but really finding out, okay, how can I reach this kid? What tools, what skills does this kid need to work on? And what tools and opportunities can I provide that? And a lot of it is you just have to be creative and be willing to try different things and not get so caught. No, they're supposed to sit there. Some kids just can't sit there. And no matter how much they may want to sit there, they can't. So let's figure out what they can do and set them up for success. They're going to feel better and it's going to be, you know, a better um, academic year for them. And so I like that you mentioned Glasser. I'm a big fan. Oh, good. Really good. Yes. Yeah, I really recommend anybody go check out um, William Glasser's website and look at some of his, his work. A lot of you, a lot of listeners, especially if you're in the field of education, heard, heard of him in your foundations courses or others, but it's, it's always worth going back and taking a look. Yeah. And to, to that end, you're talking about the communication and, um, what do you do when, when you're working with students who don't really, or young adults or kids who don't want to be coached? Like just you personally, like, you know, yeah, it's great if they will talk to you, but how do you get them started talking? I'll just start asking them, hey, you don't have to talk to me. You don't have to do anything. That's the great thing about free will in life. You don't have to ask, but what does that look like? <laughs> what does, you know, what is your plan getting you right now? And is that what you want? And if it's not, then what's your plan on getting? It doesn't have to be my plan, your parents' plan, but you got to have some type of plan because, you know, take a look around at, you know, jobs that you think someone 40, 50, 60 years old may not, you know, be doing, you know, working behind a counter and let's say a McDonald's or something. That was through decisions and choices and things that happened. So if you don't want to be that person, you got to have a plan. So tell me your plan. You know, if you're so sure you're going to where you're going to be successful, you know, but let me tell you something. In all the years I've been doing this, I have never had one family call me to tell me, hey, life is just going great. We'll never need your services, but we're glad you're out there. Okay, if I'm called in, it usually means something's going on. So let's take a look at and see. And at the end of the day, if you don't want to do it, and easy kids like that, I'll ask them, hey. Can we just meet three times? At the end of three times, if you don't want to meet again, I'm out of your life. But let's meet three times and just, you know, see how it is. And that way it's not the long-term commitment and they feel better about because now I've put them in control. They're in charge now. 
Yeah, that was going to be one of my questions for you is, you know, um, how often do you see families needing a life coach? So if I were to say, you know, this might be something good. Uh, like I said, it is a question I get asked often. I'll mention that, you know, my son had a life coach and it really helped. And they're like, what is that? How often do you recommend two times a week, three times? Does it vary? Does it depend? What, what's kind of been your pattern that you've seen to be helpful in helping kids reach their goals? Each, you know, each, you know, each kid is an individual, but usually in the beginning, I'll work with um, anywhere from like one to three times a week, depending upon what, you know, if they're like in a crisis mode where, okay, they're really engaging in some unhealthy behaviors, I'll work with them more. If it's more of just getting their, you know, plan together, I'll work with them a little bit less, but usually once, you know, once a week, like I tell them, the goal is for me to come in and get out as fast as we can without me pushing you too quick you know i'm not a lifetime person although you can call me anytime and i have a lot of um kids who i used to work with that still keep in contact with me all the time which is nice but i don't want to you know be there though i just want to help you get your plan and then help support it make sure you got a good grasp on it and then you know you, you fly solo after that so a lot of parents do, especially today, I'm finding out a lot of kids after, you know, that 19 to 29 age range, coming out of high school, coming out of college, okay, now I've done this, what do I do, you know, next, especially with everything else going on. So I would suggest not because I do it, but if you're having those struggles, find someone to help you out, because a lot of times, with my own life, my kids never thought I knew anything. I was just a blittering idiot until their friends started calling me up and asking, oh, maybe he does know something. Maybe he's not as stupid as he looks sometimes. Because it was, and I used to, I do this for a living. It's not like I'm telling you something that's going to hurt you. Oh, no, I, I don't think so. Okay. So we all feel that frustration as parents, you know. But if you are having difficult, you know, seek out that. And sometimes it can be, um, you know, if you um, go to religious organizations or sometimes it can be a neighbor may have that relationship. It doesn't always have to be a professional. It can be, you know, someone else. But just find someone that that person connects to and is willing to open up to. Yeah. And, you know, Mark, one of your gifts, uh, you know, my, so Mark was the life coach to my, to my son. And one of your gifts is my husband and I jokingly say, you know, I was the one who gave in and he was too hard, um, which made for a nice relationship, mm -hmm. but it put Josh in the middle and what you did so nicely. And I think that's what a good life coach does is you were the neutral party. Uh, and I think my favorite advice you ever gave to Josh, you may not remember this, but I do. And I think it's fun for parents to hear because it's my favorite one to share with parents is I heard you say to him, stop giving stupid invitations. And I was like, what? Because you never, what I love about you as a life coach is you let us be in the space and listen, but we weren't a part of the conversation. So it wasn't some secret down the dark hallway. Yeah. But, you know, Josh was not getting up and he was not doing what he's supposed to in class. And you're like, well, if you want people to leave you alone, which seems to be your number one goal, then stop inviting them in your life. And I was like, what a great statement. So I just really appreciate it. And I wonder how you are always neutral because I've met many of the kids you coach. I'm not so sure. I'm pretty neutral, but there's something about you that stays neutral at all times. What's your advice to parents when they're just ready to jump off that cliff to go back to that neutral Zen zone that you do so well? It's trying to take the emotions out of it and really just take a look at, okay, if I was giving someone else advice who wasn't my child, how would I approach it? 
and what's the wording that I would use, you know? So it's really just, what's my goal here? Okay, after I get through, I want to choke them to death. I want to help them. I love them. I want to do something for them. And it's really, again, just, you know, taking the emotion out because that's where people get mad. It's, it's just emotion. You're frustrated. You're angry because, you know, if they would just do this, there's a really good chance it's going to work, you know, or, okay, I've been waking them up for the last three months every morning and then he yells because, well, then get up. You know, it's those types of, you know, if you don't want me to wake you up, then you have to get woken up. But if I have to wake you up, you don't get to choose how I do that. You know, I think the emotion part particularly um, speaks to teachers who find themselves in that spot because they're not the parent. And they don't necessarily have that unconditional love for that child yeah. who is not being very nice. But I will say, I, I, I found myself doing the same thing um, in the classroom, Mark, which is to just be honest with the students, say, you know what, I am so sorry you're having a bad day, but you could call me any name. And it's not going to matter to me because I'm a grown woman and you're 13 years old and I will not care what a 13 year old says to me. So, you know, that kind of clarity, I think, is what you're alluding to. And I know that, um, yeah, sometimes it's easier when you are the outside person, even as a teacher, oh, yeah. if we can if we can kind of get there. My closing question to you, Mark, is um, how, how does somebody find a life coach? So let's say, you know, we have somebody listening who is either, you know, a parent who's looking for some support for their child or maybe a teacher who wants to schedule a session just so they can learn more about the kinds of work that you do. How does somebody find a life coach in their area? Um, I would first start, you know, asking other parents if they've, you know, ever used any services. And then I would look online for me, Fortunately, I guess for me, unfortunately, for is I've never really marketed or advertised because everything I've always done has just been word of mouth, you know, and it's always kept me, you know, more than busy. But I would start with um, talking to school counselors to see if they know anyone that, you know, other parents. Um, child psychologists have recommended me a lot. Child um, psychiatrists have recommended me a lot. So you can start with those people or you can look online and there's some different um, websites that will address it, and, that will bring you the help. Is there, is there funding uh, available for families that might not have the financial means to do life coaching um, through agencies like through Voc Rehab? Is there supports to any of the-, the That's really a community by community okay. thing. For me personally, I try to do about 10, 15% a year of my gross in um, pro bono work. And, you know, because there's just some families, the resources aren't there. Like I work Seminole in Orange County a lot. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of those resources. So I try to make it available as much as I can. But if you look at different resources, sometimes you can find them. Yeah, I didn't know if insurance or anything covered it. Well, my last yeah. question for you is, um, as, as a life coach, um, for anyone listening, teachers, parents, um, you said start with a plan. What's the one other thing that you found that's made all the people you've coached be most successful? What's the one trait that you kind of see over and over again for those who've reached their goals? I think the ones who understand you're going to fail at times. You're not always going to be successful. So if it's not working, make the adjustments and get back on track and not just give up. If you give up, you're never going to get there. So every plan is not going to work no matter how well it sounds in your head, how, how wonderful it looks on the white page and all that. 
it doesn't always work. So understand you're going to have failures in life and that's okay. You learn more from your failures than you do your successes. Pick yourself up, dust yourself off and keep moving forward. It'll be okay. <laughs> well, thank you, Mark. And thanks for, you know, again, uh, from a personal note, but thank you for joining Becky and I today and giving some really good advice to teachers, parents, and uh, those who are trying to figure out life in general. So thank you again for joining us for Practical Access. You can send us a Twitter at Access Practical, or you can also post questions to our Facebook page, Practical Access. Thank you again, Mark. Thank you so much for inviting me. I appreciate it.